are listening to Healthy Voices Radio, where you will hear podcasts featuring stories from our Healthy Voices family, hosted by amazing advocates, interviewing amazing advocates. Now, here's your Healthy Voices Radio host, talking all things health-related, Robert Brining and Brady Dale Morris. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the premiere episode of Healthy Voices Radio. Robert and I could not be more thrilled to be starting this uh, new form of connection between our Healthy Voices family. Um, And before we get started, uh, there's a few little housekeeping rules that we need to go over. I want to let everyone know that if you need medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, We urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide medical advice. Also, as a reminder, per regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during today's episode, so we ask that you kindly refrain from doing so. Also, any information you post or share will be shared on a public capacity. Do not post or share any personal or confidential information you do not want others to know. Also, we will not be posting or sharing any personal information about any other people. And also, we need to let everyone know that Jansen has paid us to host and produce this podcast episode and series. All thoughts expressed here are our own. And with that said, hey, Robert. Oh, my God, Brady. I'm so excited. I am, like, over the moon uh, to be here with you and to, to have this, like, dream become a reality, you know, something that we thought about um last year attending the conference um, and having communications and real conversations with people and wanting to get their story out there and, 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 and let people have more awareness of certain health conditions that you may not be aware of. You know, I learned a lot going right. to that conference and speaking with people. So we're going to do this and we're going to rock it. We have some great guests coming up uh, throughout the season. I'm stoked. I'm really, really stoked to be here. Um, our first guest is, uh, Barbie Engel. If you're not familiar with Barbie Engel, what can I tell you without reading her bio word for word is Barbie is a ray of sunshine. When I first saw her in Healthy Voices, I immediately was drawn to her, her positivity, her, her just joy to be alive, her, how do you want to put it, Brady? It's kind of like her smile's contagious. She's just so much fun and so spunky, and she's literally like, a cheerleader for life. Absolutely. She is one of those individuals from across the room, you can see her light beaming and she draws you to her. And that is one of the reasons why she is going to be our, why she is our first guest um, on this podcast series. So to tell everyone a little bit about Barbie, Barbie is a best-selling author, reality personality, and lives with reflex sympathetic dystrophy or RSD microlepsy, and endometriosis, and other pain disorders. Barbie is a chronic pain educator, a patient advocate, and the president of the International Pain Foundation. Just this past February, Barbie was listed in the top 100 social media advocates for rare disease. So please help us welcome the beautiful, the fabulous Barbie Engel. Hi, Barbie. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be your first guest, and congratulations on premiering on Healthy Voices Radio. Thank Thank you you. so much, Barbie. We are so (laughs) excited to have you. So to get right into it, tell us a little bit um, about yourself and your advocacy work. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so myself, I am a chronic pain patient or a person living with pain, as, as some like to say. And for me, it started my advocacy, what I went through, no one could have to go through. uh, I first was diagnosed with endometriosis, and I got through that pretty easily. Uh, It was um, something that the doctors knew, and they understood the symptoms and got right in there and and helped me. But um, a few years later, I got really sick. I uh, was in a minor car accident, which triggered an autoimmune disease reflex sympathetic dystrophy, and from there, I saw 43 doctors before I got a proper diagnosis. It's extremely rare, and uh, doctors didn't know how to recognize it or 
uh, diagnose it or even um, know what treatments to do. So it took me three years to get diagnosed and another four years to get uh, proper treatment. And during that time, I ended up in a wheelchair and um, was unable to walk more than a few feet at a time. And wow. as, Robert, as Robert said, I had many different uh, conditions secondary to that that came on, including the microlepsy and starting having seizures and dystonia and other things that jumped in on top of there. So that's that's kind of I had to learn how to stand up for myself and say I wouldn't have given up my life, and I have to do something to to make my life worth uh, purpose. I have a purpose in life, exactly. and I was a cheerleader all my life. So it. I just used my cheerleading skills and used them and turned them around and did them mentally instead of physically and became an advocate. I completely understand. Well, Barbie, in some of the research that I did and preparing for today's episode, um, one of your chronic conditions that I had never heard of was reflex sympathetic uh, dystrophy. And tell me, can you tell me like how, how that diagnosis, how you came to that diagnosis and what your initial injury was? Yes. So my initial injury, they told me, was whiplash and that I'd be better in three or four days. And um, they put me in a neck brace. And after after day four, I wasn't any better. I was actually getting worse. And I started having this burning fire feeling that I had never experienced prior to this in my life. I I didn't even know this existed, this pain. And I had a lot of injuries as an athlete growing up, but nothing ever was um, this severe. And um, R for reflex is anything in your body that's automatic is, is reflexive. So you're blinking, you're swallowing, your, your GI system, all of those things start going haywire. So you have all of those symptoms. Um, I got gastroparesis and, and other secondary conditions because of it. The um, sympathetic is your nervous system, and that's where that burning fire feeling comes in. And um, it felt like someone put lighter fluid on me, caught me on fire, and I was in search of a way to put out that fire. And then dystrophy was a loss of muscle and bone, which is why I was in a wheelchair for so long. And even now today, um, I have uh, very low muscle mass and um, high fat content in my body when they measure it out. And so, um, and loss of of bone, including a a chunk of bone in my face that, that disintegrated on the right side. I got you. Well, so I'm curious. Yeah. Then, after the the RDS did the the migralepsy, which is um, from my yes. my research my understanding is um, a migraine, which is followed by an epileptic attack or a seizure. Yes, correct. Is, is that yes. a result? I, is that like one of those kind of compounding things it, that happens? Right. It's a it's a secondary condition that can happen. Um, migraines and headaches are common with RSD. And um, and then my first seizure was in 2014. So it was not in the first years of having RSD. It was after I um, received the uh, treatments that helped me get out of the wheelchair and get walking again. Um, I had my first seizure, and I remember I was we we had just left the hospital from a treatment, and um, we were driving down the road, and I was like, whoa! I felt like the car was flipping, like we were in an auto accident. And I thought, oh, here we go. Any any moment now, my life's over. And in actuality, Ken saw that something was wrong with me and pulled over. And, and I kind of like woke back up to, are you okay? What's going on? What are you seeing? And in my mind, I was seeing a flip upside down, like over and over and over and again. And I had this like electrical storm in my brain, like, oh, my head's getting banged. But it really was just an electrical storm in my head. Um, the car wasn't actually flipping. We were actually sitting still. And then was the, the temporomandibular was the temporomandibular joint disease? Did that also come as a secondary yes. result of this car wreck? It did. It actually did. And um, they had diagnosed that um, pretty soon after my accident. And for me, the RSD it started in my face, neck, and shoulder. And so the 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 um, TMJ. D for short, um, started pretty quick after the accident, secondary to the accident. I was totally fine prior, and then boom, my whole life changed in seven seconds. And um, that was one of the first symptoms that, that came on. Is In addition to that was also blanching my 
skin color changed, so it looked like I had um, like spider webs um, on on my face, neck, arm, and shoulder area, and things that doctors should have been able to recognize that is classic for the disease, but they just didn't put it all together. And one doctor would send me to another doctor that had a specialty in heart issues or, or GI issues or lung issues. Like I, I kept getting sent to specialists and no one was piecing it all together until finally one doctor said, bring all of your records. I want to see all of your records from the last three years prior to seeing you. And he actually sat down and went through everything and figured it out. Well, then I'm curious, um, also listed like in your bio, you also speak about endometriosis. Was that a result of your car wreck or was that something completely outside of that that bubble? That that was completely outside of the bubble. And um, with the endometriosis, I uh, had pelvic pain and um, and I just, you know, actually started hurting like to have sex. It was it was very painful. And I like sex. It's like a healthy thing. I was married, and, and that's, like, something you need to have in your marriage. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so I, you know, was like something's wrong and went to a uh, gynecologist uh, pretty quick after that pain started. Um, it's still they, – they still went through, like, the non-invasive um, treatments first. So I, I did a whole bunch of things before I ended up having a hysterectomy and an oophorectomy. Um, in the end, but um, it 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 took me a process to get through that. But I I felt like those those doctors knew what they were looking for and knew how to treat it and had multiple options for me, which was great. Whereas gotcha. with RSD, there's not one of the treatments; it's rare. That's crazy. You're incredible, Barbie. You know that. But Thank you. I, seriously, I you seriously are incredible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I Thank wish you. that I, I had your energy. It comes from cheerleading. If you want to be a cheerleader, you find the energy, you cheer when your team, even when your team's losing. I remember growing up and my dad would say, how can you be down there smiling and performing and doing what you do even though your team is losing zero to 40? And I would say, because there's always hope. There's always hope. We could come back. We could get a touchdown in the last quarter, in in the last minute of the game, and and make it better. And that is, I took that cheerleading attitude and put it into my health care, and I put it into advocating for myself and others to get proper and timely access to care. Whatever that is, See, I, it's different for everybody. Yeah, every everybody needs to to learn that and have somebody like you in their corner. You know, it's amazing. So, how how did you learn to advocate for yourself? Because I'm sure in the beginning it wasn't something that you were used to doing. <laughs> Not at all. And I think I believe now that this is something that we should be teaching in elementary school: how to go to a doctor visit, how to ask questions, how to talk to your doctors. Um, because I had no clue and I did not get sick. I got, I got endometriosis at 26 and then I got RSD at 29 and, um, I, with the endometriosis, they knew what they were doing. So, so I was led down the right path, but with the RSD, they weren't recognizing what was going on with me and I was deteriorating every day. And so I didn't speak up for myself until I would go into the doctor's office and say, crying for one, I was crying and saying, I'm in pain fix me, fix it, find it, I'm in pain. I didn't go in there until the the one doctor went through all my records and, and said, I think I know what it is. I want to put you through these tests. That's when I started asking questions. Prior to that, I, I went through surgeries I didn't need. I had my rib removed, like all these things that I thought were going to make me better, and it kept making me worse because they were treating the wrong things. And right. um, and, and so when I when I – Finally, I had that one doctor stand up for me. I started getting the right vocabulary. Like I knew to say burning fire pain. I knew to say electric pain, bone pain. There's different kinds of pain. If you just go in and tell the doctor I have, I have pain, they, it doesn't help them help you. You have to go in with the adjectives. That's true. That's true. Now, you know, it's, it, there's a difference between standing up for yourself at the doctor's office or something and, and, and doing your own mm-hmm. education, but – then what allowed you to take this to, to like kind of broaden your horizons and actually become an 
advocate, an advocate, an advocate for the entire pain community? Like, what made you decide to go that big? Um, I think it just came out of necessity. What happened to me shouldn't happen to anybody, but it happens far too often. And so we have to share our voices. And if I'm asking other people to share their stories and share their voices, I believe that I should be willing to share my voice and my story. And so I started speaking up. I started going to other um, patients' doctor's appointments to just be that other person in the room, to, to be their objective voice, and, um, and help them ask the right questions because it's something we need to be taught. But then I started advocating. I got invited to testify at the Department of Defense, and, um, which was an amazing experience, especially as a civilian. My parents were both military. But going in and testifying as the Department of Defense kind of kicked me off into legislative advocacy. Uh, I've testified um, federally and in the state of Arizona and um, shared my story and, and made a difference. And once you do it once and you get over the fear of <laughs> getting up and, and following all, you know, there's certain you can only talk for three minutes and, and you have to be concise and you have to turn in your statement, your testimony ahead of time. And But getting through that process a couple of times, it became quite easy for me to do. And now I can pick up the phone. A couple of weeks ago, I ran into one of my state representatives in a Taco Bell, and he remembered Ken and I. My husband's Ken. Um, we haven't said that, but um, we're Ken and Barbie. And, and, Ken and Barbie. So we're hard to forget. We're hard to forget. Um, but but the, the representative um, was in the Taco Bell, and he's like, oh, Ken and Barbie, and, and um, we're like, we're coming to see you in a couple of weeks. We're actually, this week, we've spent this whole week here in Washington, D.C., advocating, legislating, going down and, and saying, you know, there's some bills that we need to bring to your attention, and you, you have a face to a name of someone that lives in your community and, and – um, when you go to vote, I want you to remember my face. I want you to remember my story, and I want you to vote in a way that's going to help patients. And that, that's what they need. They need patients, even if you can't get out of your bed yet, if you're listening to the radio show and you're like, but I can't go to – yes, you can. You can pick up the phone and, and call your legislators mm-hmm. and leave a voice message if you're scared. Call at 2 a.m. so you know you're not going to get somebody on the phone. Just leave, call, leave your, your, your short story, and – why this bill, whatever bill it is, is so important to you. And you know what, Barbie, work like that is so important to go onto, you know, the Hill and talk to legislators and stuff like that. Because as an HIV advocate, I know it is so important for us to, to do that, to right. make sure, you know, the laws are, 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 are being written the correct way and things are, are happening the way they're supposed to. So, you know, it takes a special advocate to do that. That's not something that I specifically can do. Brady, on the other hand, likes to make noise at the White House <laughs> and other places. <laughs> but, um, oh, you know, no. so, so thank you for doing that because I know it takes a, a very strong individual to go up there and, and have that face-to-face conversation when it can kind of be intimidating. can totally be intimidating, but you, it, I like to say have the nerve to be heard. And in, I know it's scary at first. I was scared. I And I, especially one of the things with RSD is short-term memory challenges, especially when you're, if you have a high pain day, it's very hard to remember. Um, so I, so I'm very organized and I take a lot of notes and such, but, um, and then I have to remember to go back and read my notes. But um, <laughs> the more you, the, the more you speak up and, and the more you talk and tell your story, the better you get. And even if you're just talking to yourself in the mirror, it's, it's helping you advocate for yourself. And the more you share it, it helps other human beings. And that's, you know, it's about human connection and doing what's best for, for us as a human society and, and making it better for not just for now, but for our future humans. <laughs> I totally agree advice. with you. That's yeah, great advice. Because um, yeah, we when we when we ha- when, like you said, when we become an advocate, it's you know the old adage, practice makes perfect. Um, as you learn how to tell you, your your story, you learn how to tell it better and more effectively. So um, that's great advice for for our listeners. Um, I'm curious with with all these pain conditions that you have, when you're having a difficult pain day, what helps mm-hmm. you? Oh, that's a great question, and. Oh my goodness. Well, quiet darkness is number one. 
And like for right now, I'm doing this radio interview from uh, my sister's bed, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm in a dark, quiet room, just talking to you guys, having a conversation. But that's what I do on high pain days: um, is quiet, darkness, heat is really good for me. And it's different for different people. You might have a condition where you're heat intolerant, so go for cold. Um, whatever it is for you, find your things. But for me, heat is great, and. Um, and then also having an awesome caregiver in kin is is also really important for for my really bad days because I, like I said I have trouble with memory so he he right. can say hey, here's a suggestion hey here's this here's that have you tried this have you gone through that yet um, he can he can shut off the the phone line take my phone away from me and leave me in the dark quiet room while he goes and deals with stuff for our foundation or other patients that are calling in for help. Or, or that type of thing, and um, he's able to, to take on those roles and responsibilities when I'm having those bad days. So having a great caregiver is also really important. Yes, that support does does help. Um, so you mentioned the dark silence. Um, what other role, if any, does, does self-care um, do you take on or do you do? Well, things that you might not even think about. For me, one of the, the – Parts of my condition is is burning fire pain. So um, we created a bed cradle to hold the sheets up off of my body. So I'm still under the covers and it traps in my heat. So I'm so I'm warm, but the covers can actually be painful sometimes. So so we created a bed cradle, pretty cheap. We went to Walmart and got a body pillow and put it at the bottom of my um, side of the bed. So Ken's side's totally normal, and my side has a bed cradle made out of a body roll pillow. Like something so simple like that. Um, one of the things is I get I get uh, dizzy, and um, sometimes on bad days my vision is um, doubled. And so um, if I'm if I have to walk somewhere. With Ken, I'll hold on to his arms and close my eyes. And I also, for the seizures, I have a special pair of sunglasses. So if I'm in a place that has fluorescent lighting, for instance, it can set the fluorescent lights can set off my seizures. So I'll put on my um, special sunglasses. Um, I, I just try to find tools, uh, certain clothing. Pajamas are my favorite. I like to wear pajamas day and night. Um, uh, things right. that are soft on my skin. You know, making making choices in clothing like um, that that are better for me and better for my skin sensitivities. Um, ear, uh, not earphones. What they call they? You know, the things you put in your ears so so you can't hear other things going on. Um, you know, gotcha. Noise blockers. Well, this, noise blockers. I don't know the right word, but, yeah. but I, I put in noise blockers and and um, especially if I'm in a place that's going to have like sharp, sudden, loud noises. Um, because those are extremely painful and they'll cut me to my bone. It's like they cut my core. Um, right. and, and so just things like that, that most people don't have to pay attention. A healthy person doesn't have to pay attention to, but for me, I have to plan and prepare anywhere I'm going. What's the environment going to be like? Is it going to be too cold? Um, I don't think I've ever, I, I've even been in 118 degrees and I liked that. So um, I don't think I could find a place too hot, but if I'm going to be in a cold place, do I bring my snowsuit? You know, do I, is there blankets? What can I do? Um, in our car, we have a, um, a blow up mattress that fits it when we pull the back seats down that I can lay on. So if we're going oh. for a car that's more than an hour long, I can lay down in the back while Ken drives and we keep pillows and blankets in there also just to keep me comfortable and sustained during whatever trip we're taking. Well, I'm curious, Barbie, does, uh, did you have to change your diet or do anything nutritionally to help improve your condition? I, um, I did. And I, I've tried multiple different types. Um, uh, gluten-free is, is said to lower inflammation, but, um, I also, I, uh, since childhood, I've had hypoglycemia, which is um, the opposite of diabetes. It's low blood sugar. And so I, um, even now, I work with a nutritionist, and um, I, every day I input into an app what, um, what I'm eating, and then the nutritionist will look at it, and she'll see patterns, and she'll give me suggestions. You know, you increase your protein or, um, or uh, you know, do different things, but I have to have a certain amount of sugar every day and and um and so uh, like little things like that that she helps me 
keep in order. And then my general practitioner also gets a copy of the information. And so he's able to help me as well and guide me. But yes, diet definitely um, makes a difference in uh, how I feel and how I'm doing. And especially if my blood sugar drops low. Awesome. Um, and then you also, since, since you are and you do have this cheerleading background, are you still able to, to work out and go to the gym or things like that? Uh, no. I, um, I, that's one of the things I miss the most is working out. And um, when I got sick, I was extremely fit and um, worked out six to seven days a week. And um, was coaching on a Division One A college level and um, loving life. I also own my own cheer and dance training company, and I am not physically able to do any of those things anymore, except for I over the last um, uh, nine to ten years, I've slowly been building up, and I'm able to to walk further and further now. Um, but I I have given up all of the exercising and weightlifting and, and all of that. I did two years ago. I tried to dance. I got a, I got a special opportunity to dance with uh, Billy Blanks Jr. And um, a, like a private dance lesson. And um, I, I ended up in the hospital after 45 minutes of dancing, ended up in the hospital with lactic acidosis. Um, which is also extremely painful. Uh, right. But I don't know if if you guys are familiar with lactic acid, but it builds up in your body when you work out, and my right. body built so much I couldn't process it. So, All right. And, and Barbara, yeah, real quick, I want to point out that I want to point out that while we've been talking about a lot of things that helped you personally, I want to encourage our listeners um, to work with their healthcare professionals to determine how they yeah. best can manage their health condition because we're all different. Um, but lastly, before I turn it back over to Robert, um, what are some things that you have in your toolbox that you kind of use to help on a day-to-day basis? I use so many things in my toolbox. Um, uh, heat, so whether it's a heating pad or those portal ones that I can bring with me. Um, and I live in Arizona, so it's hot there a lot, but I still am, am cold <laughs> a lot. So I definitely have like heat tools. I like straws because you don't have to bend your head back, especially if you have dizziness, like with, with, I have dizziness. Um, and, um, one of my, one of my things I'm most known for that's in my toolbox is flip-flops. And, uh, usually (laughs) you'll either see me barefoot or with flip-flops on because shoes are painful for me. So, um, so flip-flops or dressy flip-flops is like what you get. (laughs) Um, with with my toes. Another thing that that I have in my toolbox to to help me feel more feminine is um, orange toenail polish that I put on to help raise awareness. I don't, I can't put it on my fingers, but I use the same color on my toes, so I never have to like go get a pedicure. I can just put the same toenail polish on, so because everybody's gonna see my toes because I'm a flip flop. So I <laughs> I have my orange nail polish in my toolbox, um, and and. You know, that's, that's just one of those extra things. It doesn't help me health-wise, but it helps me feel <laughs> more human, you know. It's, it's, it's a nice human thing. And then also in my toolbox is my whole care team. Like you were saying, every patient's different. Even people with the exact same condition are going to need different treatments and options and things. So you, you have to have a good team of providers around you, whether it's physical therapists or uh, nurse practitioners, doctors, specialists, uh, your caregiver, your family, friends, whoever, even if, you know, you don't get along with your blood family, you make a new family, especially within your community. So um, it, it's definitely, I, I put all, all of my, all of my people in my toolbox too. <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. it's important to have your tribe in your toolbox, you know, to have a, a strong tribe behind you. You know, one of the important things about self-care is, is you know, intimacy and, and having good mm-hmm. sex, you know. And just because you have a chronic condition or chronic pain doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have good sex. And actually, Barbie, you and your husband co-wrote a book together called Real Love and Good Sex for Chronic Pain Patients and Their Partners. And I remember yeah. I got this at the last Healthy Voices because we attended um, – the intimacy uh, uh, little outbreak session that, that you were a part of. Um, can you tell us about, mm-hmm. like, the importance of intimacy and, and why you guys decided to write this book? 
Okay, well, first we decided to write the book. We uh, were um, flown to Los Angeles to be on The Doctors, the TV show The Doctors, and it was for a totally different topic, um, how to keep romance alive and um, for a Valentine's Day special. And we uh, landed in L.A., and the producer picked us up at the airport and said, hey, we changed your topic. Um, <laughs> and, and so we ended up talking on the show um, we filmed the 18-minute segment, but they only aired like two minutes of it. But we realized that we had a lot to say about the topic and um, that that intimacy isn't so – it's not always the act of sex like that people think of, of penetration, um, and that a lot of chronic pain patients will give up having sex or their partner will be afraid to touch them because it could be painful and um, Ken and I know, like, to keep our, our uh, marriage strong and, and good, we actually schedule insects into our life, and we actually schedule in intimacy. And it doesn't always have to be sex every time. It could be holding hands while you're watching a movie or even if, if that hurts, sitting next to each other. There's so many different ways to be intimate with your partner that we wanted to share that because we talked to so many patients and also healthcare providers would say, how do you keep your marriage so strong? And they would say, well, we have sex, we have intimacy, we have romance, we, we create it in a way that's, that's beneficial and positive for both of us. And, um, and that, you know, going in and doing that segment on the doctors made us realize that we had enough information on, on our experiences, and um, I also have a degree in social psychology, so so I kind of knew from back when I was in college that the importance of this issue and 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 keeping your family strong and together. So um, so I just used the knowledge I had from college and and studying it as well as the real life knowledge that I gained being married, and. Um, and we wrote the book together. We each do like, I would do a chapter. He would do a chapter. I would do a chapter. He would do a chapter. And, and then in the, in the back of the book, we actually put some ideas and, and positions. Like if your legs hurt, you can try this position or that position. If your arms hurt or, you know, if you're tired, you know, if you have chronic fatigue or something else that's going on, um, here's some other ideas and, and, uh, tips on self-esteem are in the book and, um, and all the different, aspects of feeling sexy even like I said even if you can't if you have endometriosis and you can't have sex at the moment what you can do to keep that part of your life together because it's important for all of us no I totally yeah, agree you know one good. of the uh, one of the things I wanted to to just bring up is in the book you mentioned a few things is that that, that I thought that stuck out the most is one that you don't have to um, have penetra- penetration every time for it to be satisfying every no. time you know what I mean? And that there's other yeah. options for you. You know what I mean? And not necessarily intimacy all the time is with somebody. Sometimes it's with yourself. And that's important, you know, that we let each other know that you're, you know, you're able, you have that option. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You absolutely have that option. And, um, and, and for, I, I 100% agree with what I wrote. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but <laughs> um, it, it's absolutely true. You don't have to have somebody else with you to be intimate. And to to uh, to have a satisfying sexual experience, and um, and, and it's important that you and your partner know, like, okay, if if I touch you here, are you going to be okay? Like, take the time to explore without having sex. Even like, sit in your living room with your clothes on is one of the things that we suggest, and and talk about it. Talk about what you like, what you don't like. Where you know, if we do this, I'll be okay. So that your your partner that's not in pain can participate and be a part of this, and you can, you know, do it together when possible, and that also on your own you can also do what you need to do, and you know the importance of that doesn't like I said you can be fully clothed and talk about it, but it's important to communicate and talk about it with your partner or partners or however you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. My oh, favorite, my favorite like chapter was, was, was finding your sexy. Um, how does one find the sexy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a little different for, for men and women. Um, but you, you do things like fix your hair or leave yourself positive notes, notes of positivity, 
Um, you you make yourself feel good, or or it's part of also accepting yourself. Um, I think it's, finding your sexy skin be a little bit different, but we gave like I think at least ten examples for men and ten examples for women. So that mm-hmm. you can find what works for you, because it's not going to be the same. Like if you just if you feel fat, even if you're not fat, a lot of people that are like super skinny feel fat. But whatever it is, find what the good things about you are. I like what's my favorite thing about myself. Mine is my teeth. I like love my teeth, and so I take care of my teeth. Some people might be their nose or their ear, or like having somebody rub their ear. Rub your ear yourself. Whatever, find what it is that that you like, that's sexy, and that you can um, look in the mirror and see and understand. And also talking to yourself, telling yourself about you know I'm I'm good. I'm good the way I am. We only are here on earth once. So let's live it up. You know. Exactly. And there's gonna be there's gonna also be times where you feel down or you don't feel your best and know that those are moments there. It's not the rest of your life. It's this moment and that you can turn it around. You can change your thinking. You can change what you believe sexy is to what you are. No, you don't have to go with someone else's definition of sexy. You can define what your sexy is. It doesn't matter what somebody else's sexy is. Love that. And Barbie, I, I want to just draw the parallel. I mean, we're talking about your, you know, chronic pain today, but I think mm-hmm. it's important to to point out that no matter what your chronic condition is, you know, there is a way, as you said, find your own sexy, define your own sexy. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter what your chronic condition is, um, I'm I was curious, how has um, this chronic condition and living with it changed you as a person? It made me, number one thing it did for me was it made me patient <laughs> to uh, go through life. I I didn't pay attention to what was going on around me, what was going on in my community, what was going on in my family. I, I took life for granted, and now I am extremely patient and very attentive to what is going on and how it can be made better and that I can take action even if it's a small step today I'm only able to get out of the bed to go to the bathroom and the rest of the day I'm under the covers in, in the quiet darkness with the heat whatever it is you can do that day make it the best day possible and and pretty much my patience is the number one thing that changed and because I'm slower and I'm more patient with myself, I'm more patient with other people, and I'm more understanding because of being patient. I'm more understanding. I'm more kind and and more thoughtful just as a human. I love that. And and one of the things that you just reflected on, Barbie, is it's kind of one of my mantras. Um, is I, I was on the big YOLO kick back in the day when it, when everybody first started saying it. But now it's, yes. I, I don't say you only live. I don't say you only live once anymore because the fact, the truth is, we only die once. But we have the opportunity to live every day that we are blessed to have. So right, and when so and great. when you have a chronic condition, you're so right. And when you have a chronic condition, you you time changes for you. You can yes. tell me if you guys agree with. I don't know if this is HIV the same the same realm, but it probably. For me, time changed, and so absolutely, yeah, it was YOLO yeah. all the way, and then you get so sick that you don't even know what your next moment's going to be. And now I live by moments. I live by moment by moment by moment, and and this might be a bad moment, but when a good moment comes, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to be fully attentive and aware that I'm having a good moment. Absolutely, I love that. It, it's so. Bring up the old adage, you've taken the time to stop and smell the roses as you go along. And that's so important to take advantage of every second that we have. Um, Barbie, I'm curious, what have you learned about living with chronic pain that you could possibly pass on to to um, others with chronic pain or others across our Healthy Voices family uh, facing these same kind of health challenges? Let's say uh, know your condition, 
ask questions of your providers. Let your caregivers know where they can help you and where you can can still continue to to maintain a a responsibility or a role yourself. Um, and and then uh, nutrition and hydration are extremely important. And you don't even realize now what you eat now is going to affect you down the road. So make sure that you're eating the best you can eat with whatever condition you have and, and whatever way you find with your providers is the best way. Find what's right for you and, and do that. Great advice. That's awesome. I agree. Barbie, what do you think needs to be done to raise more awareness around chronic pain in the medical community? Uh, there's a, a lot stigma. of people, you know what I mean? <laughs> Barbie, I, I feel like pain yeah. is something that, that you can't, it, it's, it, you can't see it. You know what I mean? So it's very hard to, to, to always be in pain. Like I know my partner deals with pain all the time and, and sometimes I get really frustrated. You know what I mean? And, and I'm just like, what? how are you still in pain? <laughs> you know what I mean? So what do you think we can do to bring more awareness to it? Because it, it, it's kind of one of those invisible diseases. It's absolutely. It's an invisible disease. And uh, unless you know what you're looking for, I, I can like pick it out because I see, I see others that I see the same things in me that I see in others. And I'm like, Ooh, they're in pain right now, but a normal person doesn't see it. And so it can be frustrating for them. Don't allow somebody else's guilt to become your guilt. You be the best you, you can be. And that's, that's all, that's what we're here for is to be the best we can be for ourselves and, and for, for the people that matter in our life. It's, we don't have to live up to somebody else's expectation. Um, don't accept their guilt. And um, and for for a comment back to you about sometimes you get um, stressed or or annoyed or or what have you because maybe you feel like oh I offered this suggestion and and my partner didn't take me up on it and and that can be right. frustrating because sometimes people offer me a suggestion and I'm like I don't want to try that right now. Um, right. And and so I get that frustration, but also you don't accept you don't accept any guilt. It's not you do what you can do, and your partner does what they can do. And I like I know that whatever can does says or offers is to benefit us and to help me through a bad moment. And so um, I hear all the suggestions that he gives, but I just don't always want to take that suggestion. It's nothing. It's nothing against you. It's just a choice as a patient that I'm choosing a different choice. And and right. so maybe going through it with, with knowing that there's other choices and options. But exactly what you said, Ken says. Like, I told you, you have this going on that X equals Y. I'm like, no, no, X equals Z today. X doesn't equal Y today. today. Um, right. Well, and, it's like, you know, oh, like there's pain and then there's pain in his neck or something. And I'll be like, oh, well, let me just give you a massage. You know, let me just rub your neck. And it's like, no, that's that, actually making it hurt worse. <laughs> right. Because, because sometimes like the skin could be sensitive. It, it like you have inside pain and then you got the skin pain, you got the different types of pain going on. So sometimes if it's just on the inside and it's like you're rubbing a muscle or something, it could be the greatest feeling ever and it could help relieve it. But sometimes the skin sensitivity will make a massage turn into a nightmare. And yeah. but un, like that's today, tomorrow I might be able to handle a massage. And so you're like, Oh, I, this worked last time. And like, Nope, it's a little different this time. And like, and that's what I was saying earlier, having the nerve to be hurt, speaking up, sharing, like, this is, this is what's going on. It's also up to the patient to, we, it, like you said, it's invisible. You can't, yeah. you as a caregiver can't look at me and just know every single thing. You might know some of the things, and the A, B, C, and D might work for this, but you don't know exactly which one, but the suggestions are appreciated and helpful. Right, and, and Barbie, one of the things that's... If you don't take them. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, that? one of the leading themes that I, I think I keep hearing you say is that when it comes to your spouse, um, when dealing with a chronic condition, is that you have to remain and, and have to keep open, authentic conversations. It's and it and it's an ongoing conversation. It's never just say here it is, but it's an ever evolving conversation. Right. 
and every day is different. So something that might have helped yesterday, it, it, it might not help today. Or I might not be able to tolerate going through that tool today, whereas it worked last week or last year. And, you know, but not only with your caregiver and your partner, you have to have the conversation with your providers. Because the same treatment, I know patients that have been on the same treatment for 20 years, and I'm like, but there's new information about your condition, and treatments are coming down the pipeline all the time. There might be something that works better now. It's been 20 years. You might be able to have even better management of whatever the condition is. So make sure that you're, like you said, authentic conversations happening often so that you can get the best options for it. And, Again, don't feel guilted into an option just because it's available. It's still just because it's a new thing doesn't mean it's right for you. You have to make sure you're okay with it and that you have the support to to go through with with whatever it is. I'm curious, Barbie, do you have what are the internal conversations that you have? We've talked about the out the, you know the conversations with your providers and your spouse. What internal conversations do you have with yourself in dealing with your chronic condition? Oh, that's very good. One of my favorite internal conversations is the I am conversation. And um, I I am a cheerleader. I am full of hope. And and when I first started playing the I am game, I couldn't think of a thing. All I thought was, I lost this. I lost that. I I suck. I <laughs> I can't do the things that I could do before. And so I am worthless. And when, once I started playing the I am game and coming up with the things that I still can do, that I still am, that I still will work towards in the future, that to me brings me hope, inspiration, and positivity. And, and I draw from inspiration from myself. I create motivation and inspiration. And so doing the I am game, like I said, in the beginning I couldn't do that. I, I, was, I was stuck and I was mentally and physically I was stuck and when I started doing the I am it totally turned around even though there were some things I couldn't do anymore it showed me that I had worth and I had purpose and those are to me important to to move forward in life and to still have a reason to be in this realm of of living I love it the I all have a purpose you know, Brady, yeah. you took the words right out of my mouth um, in regards to having that open uh, conversation with your partner in regards to intimacy and things like that. Um, one of the things I want to touch base on is the amazing organization and foundation that you uh, have started, Barbie, uh, the International Pain Foundation, or a.k.a. IPAIN. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that is about and what you do there. Well, IPAIN has four areas of focus, education for patients and caregivers, awareness for the public, social events, because a lot of times patients like to isolate themselves. So we want to get people out talking, communicating, and and having a community feeling so they have that support. And then the fourth area is access to care, which is legislation and peer-to-peer mentoring. So if a patient doesn't um, have someone that they know or they're newly diagnosed, they need someone to talk to, we'll connect them with a patient that's had the condition for a longer period where they can talk about the frustrations and the things that come up in everyday life and how to make those challenges become functioning, livable uh, situations and, and no longer challenges or less challenging for them. And um, we, we do all kinds of projects from uh, music therapy with, with our song Hope is True to uh, we have our iPain Living magazine, which this past January finally went out into newsstands. We've been building it up the last couple of years, which Robert has has been a contributing writer to. And Woo! um and um and uh, we do educational events coming up this uh, November, which is another project that we do. Um, we're doing an educational event in Los Angeles for three days and. Um, uh, I also am in a couple of documentaries. One is coming out next month in Canada, and then in um, June it will start airing in the United States. It's called On a Scale of 1 to 10. And um, and uh, we're also doing a, a showing and, and um, panel discussion at, at the November Education Conference. 
as well. So we have a lot of stuff coming up. And healthy voices. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, but, that's yeah. awesome. Um, uh, so, so people can find more information about the organization by going to internationalpain.org, um, and they can get connected with anything um, they want to see there. Check out the magazines. I'm looking at it now. I see you just recently, the, the most recent one has Paula Abdul. I guess you had an interview with her. Yes. And um, nice. I, well, she's a friend of mine, but I actually, the um, president of her, the, yeah, the president of her <laughs> fan club, her name is Megan, um, Megan Roach, and she actually wrote the article um, in the magazine. And, um, and she writes for, for, multiple magazines so and she's paula's fan club president so we thought it'd be really cool to have her do that article and i felt like i'm friends with paula so i don't want to like skip the important stuff that the public wants to know because i already know it and so i figured having a a third person come in and and, um, help would be a really good way to get out the information that will be easier for the public to digest and and understand um from a non-health related person. Cause I, I understand it. Paula has the same RSD condition as I do. And, um, and so I understand it so intimately that it, it was better to have somebody else write it. Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and I was, I was going to say that um, your song hope is true for the, uh, where can people, I know that y'all did a video and y'all were able to mm-hmm. procure um uh, an act that was on America's Got Talent that did sand art, and I believe we've got to see that that video at Healthy Healthy Voices Teen. But I was too busy up dancing to the song because the song was so great. Um, but where can yeah. our listeners find this video? Um, well, you can find the video at hopeistrue.org. It's also available on YouTube. And yeah, we worked with the Silhouettes from America's Got Talent, and. Um, and wow. had them uh, basically draw. They they performed an artistic story of going from you know, a wheelchair and a cane to living life and finding hope and finding options and treatments. And um, although you don't see that, we kind of also left it interpretive. It's a pop song. We didn't want to depress people. We wanted to raise people's hope and also get the attention of the public and plant seeds in, in the public to say, hey, hope is true. If you or your family member find yourself in a in a position where they're living with chronic pain, that they too can find what they need. And we never say what it is because it's going to be different for everybody. That's something that each patient has to work with their team and, and of healthcare professionals to figure out. But we let people know that it is possible to to do this and go down this journey and that there is hope. And, and so there's great reason for hope. Awesome. Well, Barbie, we're um, coming up on the last few minutes of our interview and we're on also going to be playing the song um, at the end of today's podcast. But before we do that, is there anything else that you'd like to share about patient empowerment and the importance of standing up for yourself? Goodness. Just know that there's great reason for hope and that there is help available and you just have to reach out, seek out, and and uh, go for it. If you can use your voice, use your voice, and don't feel like anything you do is too small. Uh, I've heard patients say, well, I can only do this. I can only make one phone call a day, so I just am not going to do anything because that's not enough. That phone call could be the, the phone call that the person at the other end was waiting for, and you could be helping a patient personally. You could be helping through legislation. There's so many different avenues and ways to help that everything matters, everything counts, get out there and do whatever it is you can contribute. It's enough. Do what you can do, and that's all, that's all you need to do. And, um, and have hope and, and, and know that there is help. Awesome. And one last question, Barbie. What would you tell yeah. your younger, younger self, um, if you could have a, sit down and have a conversation with your younger self today, what would you tell that little Barbie? I would <laughs> say stop. <laughs> that little Barbie. <laughs> uh, I would say don't sweat the small stuff. There's there's so many things that I fretted over and had anxiety over, and and life is so much more fun when you realize that it really doesn't matter. If you have a goal, there's a million ways to get there. So if there becomes a rock in the middle of your road, 
you just go over it, under it, around it, or, or through it, and that there is a, there is another way. So don't stress over it. Don't have anxiety over it. Um, easier said than done sometimes. But that's what I would tell my younger self is that there, there, you have the will, so there is a way. Awesome. There you go. There's a will. If you have the will, there's a way. You know, Barbie, I want to thank you so much for being our first guest. Um, when me and Brady conceived this idea, I mean, it was a no-brainer for me that you were the first person I wanted. You reached out to me with love at the first time I attended. You made me feel like I was somebody who you knew for years. Like, we went to high school together and we were reunion. Like, I felt like you- – we had this instant connection, Robert, and I came home and I was like, hey, I, I have a gay husband now. And my <laughs> husband's like, what? And I was like, I mean, he's my gay husband, but we just bonded and had so much fun. And, like, it, it was awesome. And I felt that connection to you of, like, you were just this glowing light to me when I scanned the room. I was like, who's that guy? Like, he's, he's got it going on. He's, he's like, he rocks our health advocate in the room. And we're in a room with all, I mean, Healthy Voices is all rock stars. Like, rock stars are who goes of, of all these different conditions. And you had that shining light to me that you talked about at the beginning of, the, of this episode. So thank you so much for bringing me on as your first guest. Both of you, I really strongly appreciate it. Thank you, Barbie. Oh. Yes, we're, we're excited. So speaking about Healthy Voices uh, 19, that's uh, coming up. Uh, I know Brady wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I was just going to say um, a big congrats to uh, to everyone who got accepted to Healthy Voices 19 coming up in Dallas um, April, let's see, April 12th through the 14th. And um, to those who are not going to be attending with us in Dallas, do not be discouraged because there is the opportunity to um, participate in the virtual reality, and we will be doing um, – it sounds like we're going to be doing a radio show from from Dallas as well. Um, be sure to follow Healthy Voices on Twitter, Instagram. There are so many ways to stay involved. Um, so do not be discouraged if you if you were not selected, but do not give up. Keep trying. Keep applying. Um, but I'm so excited to see everyone in Dallas coming up in April. Yeah, me too. I'm totally, totally excited. Barbie, we're so excited that we're going to be seeing you, and we want to thank you again one more time for joining us. We love you so much. Love you guys, too. Thank you. Thank you, Barbie. You're very welcome. And now we're going to play Hope is True to play us out. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Brady, it happened. The first Healthy Voices Radio episode is done. We have landed. It is awesome. It is so great to be here in this space. Um, I just want to thank everybody for allowing this to happen and giving us this kind of, you know, this, this open dialogue with these amazing advocates. It's going to be a great season. So check out the other uh, shows coming up uh, in our, in our up, upcoming episodes on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes. Every show will be archived for your pleasure, so you can download for free. So don't forget to check that out. And here is uh, Hope is True. Brady, um, we'll be back. When will we be back? We're here.